So I have to ask, did everybody get what they wanted for Christmas? Lots of presents, right? We're a, we're a wealthy country. I'm sure everybody had something to give or something to get. Yet we have to know this, that presents don't really satisfy, right? You all know that. I hope you do. I hope that you know that presents don't really satisfy the craving of the human heart. Doesn't change our lives. No matter what you get now, all those gadgets and things, and I'm, I'm looking at you all this morning, and if I see somebody doing this, I'm going to call you out. So put those new iPads down, put those new cell phones down, unless you're reading the Bible, of course. This is how I take notes, so don't call me out. <laughs> I'm taking notes. So... So, you know, those new gadgets can be distracting. So this morning, um, again, if you're going to take notes or read the Bible, that's cool. But otherwise, you know, I'm looking at you. I see what you're doing. But those things don't really change our life. What do we really want in this life? And, you know, I'm thinking about the, uh, the previous uh, messages that we were talking about the first Christmas. And so if we were to go back in time to that first Christmas night, of course we know it wasn't really in December, but whenever it was, is there a group of folks there who weren't getting any presents at all in that whole scene in Luke chapter 2? I think there are. There's these folks called shepherds. In fact, if we were to, if we were to open our Bibles and start reading through the story, which by the way, the children did so beautifully on Christmas Eve. I want to get, yes, let's pause that too. That was all wonderful to see the children come on Christmas Eve and, and represent that or present that story, the Christmas story, to all of us. And, you know, sometimes when we have the kids do those, uh, you've been in churches where maybe we dress the kids up and we put a bunch of them. What, what do we always make the kids to be? There's always two groups of, of people that the kids represent, right? There's the, the shepherds. And there's, there's the angels, right? Because everybody doesn't have to have a speaking part to be a shepherd or an angel. So we put lots of angels and shepherds into play. And the shepherds are so cool because they always got the little bathrobes on, right? That's, that's how they're being their shepherd. A little bathrobe, a little towel on their head. And they're a shepherd. What would life have been like as a shepherd back in those days? We know that in the Christmas story, it always starts off in the same region. There were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Right? We love that story. So what would it like to have been like to be a shepherd back in those days? Well, we know what a shepherd is, right? He's one who cares for the sheep. Now, remember, his whole life is wrapped up in his flock. I mean, his job, the job description of a shepherd is to do what? Keep the flock alive. Find them grass to eat. Find them water to drink. Protect them from wild animals. To go out and look for those that are... Straight away, restore the ones that have been hurt. Lead them out of the fold every day. Bring them back every night and sleep in front of there to make sure no one interrupts them. He protects them. Shepherds would have lived outside all the time, under the stars. They would not have been able to go to the church or the temple, as they called it back then in those days, because they were considered unclean because of their job and what they did. And they probably were unclean. They probably smelled a little bit. You know, people who live outdoors all the time do end up smelling like the outdoors, don't they? Maybe they had their teeth rotting out because they didn't have good dental care. Probably smelled like the animals that they hung around with quite a bit. And although being a shepherd was certainly a responsible position, it certainly in 
the agricultural culture of Israel in those days, and in the history of Israel, shepherding has been somewhat of a responsible position. But maybe in the Roman world, maybe it wasn't. Maybe they were kind of looked down upon. You know, we kind of have that. We don't really see a whole lot of shepherds today, but we do see people that kind of fit that description. We call them homeless people a lot of times, right? They're out there in the world, living outside all the time. So then we, we see that the angels come, stand before them, the glory of the Lord, Lord shines all around them, and these shepherds are terribly frightened, and the angel says, don't be afraid, look, i got a message for you. Good news, the angel says, right? And we're still preaching good news, the gospel, that Jesus has come to save sinners. The angel told them today in the city of David, right in Bethlehem, is born for you a Savior, Christ the Lord. And here's what you're going to find when you go. He's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes, right? He's going to be wrapped in cloths. He's going to be lying in a manger. And the fact that they said that uh, this, this message is for you and for all the people, I'm wondering if they didn't receive that maybe a little bit differently than we would have because here's these lowly shepherds out there. They never get to go to the city, never get to go to the temple, and yet... Here's an angel says, this message is for you. This is for all the people. Don't miss that. God's message that was being proclaimed that night is for all the people, not just for a select few. And the fact that the lowly shepherds were the first ones to receive that message is proof that God's message is for everyone. And as the story continues, right, the angels, they go away back into heaven and the shepherds begin saying to one another, man, we've got to take this message. We've got to go see what's going on in Bethlehem. Let's go straight there, they said, and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord had made known to us. And so they hurried, and they got to Bethlehem, and they find Mary and Joseph. They find them, and the baby lays in the manger, just like the angel predicted. And when they saw that, it says, the text says, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. What was that statement? The statement was, Savior, born today, name is Christ. He's the Messiah, born right there. Don't miss the shocking fact that they're looking at the baby and they're saying, there's the king. There's God. There's the Messiah, this child. And they made known what the angels had told them. What do we call today people who make known the good news? We call them evangelists, don't we? So it's interesting that the shepherds became the first New Testament evangelists that we see. Now, how odd must that have seemed at the moment, pointing to the baby and saying, there's the king, there's the king of Israel, there's the king of the universe, there's the Messiah, son of God, completely vulnerable, completely as this little baby in a manger in the middle of, in, in the open air. And yet this little one is the sovereign God of all creation. He comes with power in his hands, his little tiny baby hands. Still he comes with the power of the universe. And he was not only announced to the shepherds, but as we were kind of talking about this morning, he is the shepherd. Now this proclamation was actually predicted many years before. Many years before in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet predicted that this would Happen. So I want to kind of go back from the Christmas story and go back to Isaiah and look at what Isaiah has to say about the good shepherd that would come 
this night. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40. It's a great passage of Scripture. If we had time, we could go through the whole chapter of, of Isaiah 40. It's amazing. So if you get a time, read the whole thing and just make your hair stand on your neck about who God is. So we'll begin reading in verse 9. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. There's that same word again, the gospel, the good news. The same good news that's being proclaimed by the shepherds is what Isaiah is talking about being proclaimed here. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Isn't that what the shepherds were saying? Here is our God, this baby. Behold, the Lord will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Here is your God. The Lord coming with might is the picture Isaiah is presenting to us here. In those words in uh, verse 9, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God. Some of you will see that in your Bible, maybe depending on your translation, uh, is capitalized with like little capitals. There's a reason for that. The translators have made a distinction that this is not just another iteration of the words Lord and the words God that put together. Lord God is a proclamation of who God is. The Lord is, a, is, is Adonai in an intensive form of master or Lord, and it's used only of God in the Old Testament, emphasizing his greatness, emphasizing his ultimate power and rule, a strong, strong picture of God as Lord, as Adonai. And yet the word God, it's also capitalized, is, is Yahweh, the, the personal name of God, Yahweh, emphasizing not God's mighty rule and ruling arm, but necessarily his personal presence with his people. He's the personal God. And the combination of these names links his power with his love. It links his, his might with transcendence. It, it, it links his rule with his intimacy. What a great description that Isaiah is giving us of who God is. And then he goes on to say in verse 11, and here's what we'll spend the rest of the morning in the text. He's giving us a picture of God as a shepherd. He says in verse 11, like a shepherd, he, God, Jesus, will tend his flock. In his arms, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. So here we are. God is displayed as a conquering shepherd, coming with might and rule and force, yet intimacy and personal nature of God in the form of a shepherd. Now, what does this description reveal about who God is? I mean, the same God who judges sin and wickedness, who will overcome the oppressors of his people, is not only omnipotent, but he is tender towards affliction. He is the perfect balance of justice and love. He is the child king, the God man, born as a baby in a manger on this night of grace that we just celebrated. And Jesus himself will be a shepherd. 
right? He actually says that in John chapter 10. We'll talk more about that in a minute. He lets us know he fulfills that prophecy. He is the shepherd. He is the good shepherd, capital G, my capital G. He is the, uh, the, the one who fulfills this description that Isaiah gives about the coming shepherd, the mighty king who comes as a conquering shepherd. Jesus is the fulfillment of that. And here's that, what does that mean for us? And Jesus is our shepherd. And he comes to do three things here you see in verse 11. And we'll talk about those here briefly. He comes to tend. He comes to guard. He comes to gather his flock. And he comes to guide them or lead them as well. So let's look at those three things briefly this morning. And, and I hope that you can see that Jesus is doing this in your heart and in your life. Because in the end of the message, we're going to contemplate that. How is Jesus doing these things today in your life? So first, it says in verse 11, like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. He guards, if you will. He protects, if you will. Because the sheep are under the shepherd's protection. Get this. In the, in the world of shepherds and sheep, he is the only thing standing between them and the predators that desire to kill them and eat them. It's the world of wolves and nasty teeth, and there's the shepherd or the sheep in their pen, and here is the shepherd standing, protecting his flock. Every hour, every day, every week, the whole year, they're under his protection. When they go to bed at night in the sheep pen, it's the shepherd who's the one who lies in front of the gate to make sure nothing gets in. He, in fact, becomes the gate so that no one can get through. Now, you've got to understand that sheep, and you probably all know this, you've been heard, told this before, but sheep are not the smartest animals in the world. In fact, some would say they're downright dumb. Now, let that soak in a minute. Because Jesus says we are his sheep. So we've got to realize that we are not the smartest people in the world either. And it ought to make us want to go find a shepherd to take care of us. So in the, in the world of sheep and shepherds in those days, and I assume in the, still in the world today, uh, if, if the shepherd's not standing guard, if the shepherd's not protecting, if he's not tending correctly, the predators can sneak up on the sheep while they're eating or sleeping or without the shepherd's knowledge of it, without him protecting them. And when that happens, they are toast. They are veal parmesan just waiting. Here's a story for you. Look, I want you to get this because God makes it very clear that we understand that we are sheep. All throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament as well, we are, just, we are called the sheep of God. Uh, there were some shepherds eating breakfast outside a town in Turkey. And as they were eating, they were surprised to see one lone sheep jump off a nearby cliff and fall to its death. Everybody got the picture? They were stunned, however, when the rest of the nearly 1,500 sheep in the herd followed, each one jumping off the cliff to its death. And when it was all over, the local newspaper reported that 450 of the sheep perished in a billowy white pile because those that jumped from the middle and the end of the herd were saved as the pile became higher and higher and the fall was cushioned. Get this now, though. The estimated loss to the families of this town was over $100,000 where a person earns annually 
$600. That was devastating for them to see their produce, to see their livelihood jumping over a cliff because they saw one sheep do it. Now, what does that say about how smart sheep are? They kind of follow the leader, and wherever that leader goes, the rest go with them. So Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. He does that very clearly in John chapter 10, and that we are his sheep. Just so we have the right picture of who we are and why we need Jesus and our shepherd. Remember, Jesus said he lays down his life for his sheep. He gives us this parable. He says, the thief, referring to, the, to our enemy, the devil, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Talking about a thief coming to steal the sheep. He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them and he flees because he is a hired hand. He is not concerned about the sheep. Jesus wants us to know he's protecting his flock. If you belong to Jesus today, he is protecting you, whether you know it or not. Jesus is the shepherd at the gate, tending his flock, protecting us from the evil one. I say hallelujah that Jesus protects us from the evil one. He laid down his life for us and now stands guard over our lives that are redeemed. And not only that, he warns us of danger. It's not pass this by too quickly. He has a way of warning us of danger. And it's not like the, uh, uh, the, the, the robot from Lost in Space. Anybody remember that? Danger, danger. He doesn't do that. But part of his protection is the words that he has left for us to gain wisdom and knowledge and understanding about what to do and what not to do. You see, God has given us warnings and precepts to protect us from sin, to protect us from destructive habits and lifestyles, protect us even, yes, from our own selfish desires. Here's the thing. As God's people, as his sheep, we should want to listen to the shepherd and what he has to say. And I would say this, if we don't, if you don't find that you have a desire to hear what the shepherd has to say, then I, you've got to question whether you're one of the flock. But here's the other thing. Because we're human, we have a tendency to forget the truth of what God tells us in his word. And yet, even through that, even though if we forget, even if though that we, we, we just get lazy once in a while, or we don't go and do the things that we know that we're supposed to do. Here's the thing that gives you great encouragement. Our protection that Jesus gives is not based in our strength or our discipline or our mindfulness or our faithfulness. Isn't that good news? Our protection is not based on our Bible knowledge. And I tell you this, uh, if you ever want to think about who's a better scholar, you or the enemy, I'll just tell you flat down, flat, uh, hands down right now, Satan's a better scholar than you. So don't think you can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Satan about who's a better Bible scholar. 
So our protection is not based on our Bible knowledge as much as we need that to learn how to live life and, and heed the warnings of the shepherd. Our protection is based upon Jesus who laid down his life for his sheep, the one who has died and has been resurrected by God for our justification in our new life, our abundant life. Yes, the good shepherd guards his sheep. He also says he gathers together. In his arms he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. Get this picture right now. When the sheep leave, the sheep run away, or they can't keep up. You know the ones that are feeble, the ones that are weak? These are the ones that this shepherd seeks and finds and carries in his own arms, next to his own heart. He does not leave them. He does not forsake them. He goes out to find them if they are lost. And he gathers them in his arms to take them back to the rest of the flock so that he can protect them all together. That's what good shepherds do. Jesus said, again, John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. I have other sheep who are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They would hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Now, here's the thing. We all, at some point in our life, need Jesus to come find us. We all get weak. We all get wounded. We all get feeble. And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually or emotionally or relationally. And we get to a place where we feel like no one loves us. How do I know you feel like that? Because I get that way too. We feel like no one loves us or maybe we're not worthy of love. Maybe we think because we are defined by what we have done in our life. Or maybe we feel like we're defined by what has been done to us. We have this wrong identity of who we are instead of realizing that we are dearly loved children of God, identified solely and completely with Christ. We forget that. We get to that place where we're weak and we're feeble. It's so easy to fall into the trap of being focused on yourself. It's easy to feel isolated and anxious and depressed. When we get like that. Now here's the, here's, here's the good news. Ever, ever have one of those times when God sends someone to snap you out of that? Ever have those magical times, it seems, out of the blue? You know, I don't think he's here this morning, but um, Howard, he preached for y'all last week. Faithful friend of mine. One day he calls me up and says, you know, I just want to come by. And I just want to tell you how much you're appreciated and how much I love you and how much I want to pray for you. How did he know I was having one of those moments right now? How did he know that? He didn't, but God did. Jesus did. And Jesus gathers those who need to be gathered up into his arms to love on them. When when the leadership team, when Fitz... And when Robert and the others say, we're praying for you, how do they know I needed to be prayed for that day? Because God does. Jesus does. He's gathering up the ones who need his presence. 
When you feel desperately alone, here's the message this morning. When you see the shepherd in Isaiah chapter 40 or John chapter 10, you've got to know this. You are not alone. Jesus cares for those who are hurting and who are in need. Is that you today? Are you out there on your own today, feeling feeble, feeling like you can't keep up, feeling weak, feeling like you can't get through this thing, whatever it is, whatever happening in life to you? Know this, Jesus, the good shepherd, he will come and find you, and he will gather you up into his bosom, in next to his heart, and he'll take you home to the rest of the flock. So not only does the shepherd guard, not only does the shepherd gather, the shepherd also guides. It says at the end of chapter 11, Jesus, he, talking about Jesus, Isaiah is, he will gently lead the nursing ewes, the young ones, the offspring, those who need leading. Remember, sheep are not the smartest animals in the world. Remember this story of the one who jumped off and all the rest of the dumb ones followed him. Sheep must be led or they will scatter and die. Don't lose that picture, sheep. We must be led or we will scatter and die, sheep. You know, there's a couple of different pictures of shepherding that that you can find in the world. If you go to the shepherds in the British Isles, for example, say in Ireland, they have sheepdogs. You know, the Irish sheepdog, right? What do sheepdogs do to get sheep to go where they want them to go? Drive them. Drive them. In fact, sometimes they nip at the heels of the sheep to get them to go where they want them to go. Push them where they want to push them. And yet, if you look at the shepherds in the Holy Land, shepherds in the, in the, in the, the area of the country or the world today where Jesus lived, still this way. They walk out in front of their sheep, and the sheep voluntarily follow them, a different way of leading sheep. They're much gentler than the shepherds in the British Isles. And here's the thing. Jesus is that kind of shepherd. The one who just speaks and his sheep follow him. Look, there's a lot of times when we go through life and things just, it's hard to get a clear picture and a clear heading on where things are. We call those sometimes the storms of life. Many upheavals. Many ways that we can go astray and often do. Many decisions that we have to make often wrong. Sometimes it seems like our troubles are just overwhelming, doesn't it? And troubles can be in the church, church folk. Troubles can be in our family. Troubles can be in our work. Troubles can be in our school. Remember the story of Jesus asleep in the boat as the disciples are going across the Sea of Galilee? And the storm comes up. Remember, these are professional fishermen, live their life on the sea. And this, this storm is different. It scares the heck out of them. They think they're going to die. Storms can come up at a moment's notice on the Sea of Galilee. And they feared for their life. And they go to the sleeping Jesus, and they woke him, and they cried out, Teacher, don't you care about us? Don't you want to protect us? Don't you want to gather us up and care for us? Teacher, they're saying, don't you know that we're going to die? And there's that great picture. Jesus looks up, hush, be still. You see, Jesus 
is powerful and sovereign and calms the waves. He calms the winds because He is the all-powerful Creator. He is God. He is in control. He's in control of the universe. And let me say this, brothers and sisters. He's in control of your life, too. We just have to learn to trust that He is going to guide us and to get us where He promised to take us. To a life that is everlasting, to a life that is without sin, to a life without death, a life that has no tears, that is all joy. And here's the thing. Remember this. When things in the world were absolutely at their worst, what is the worst moment in human history? When Jesus was being killed, put to death by sinners on the cross. At that moment, it looks like God has lost control. At that moment, it looks like Satan has won. Yet when things were absolutely at their worst, God was still in control. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, and it looked like God was going to die, God had not lost his power. God had not lost his resolve, nor his compassion, nor his desire to save people. Let me ask you a question this morning. What problems do you have that are greater than death? What problems do you have in your life that are greater than death? That are greater than dealing with sin and defeating Satan? Does anybody have anything going on in their life that's bigger than that? And I hope you don't raise your hand because you don't. When Jesus went to the cross, scriptures tell us that he who had no sin became sin so that we might have life. I don't know exactly what that means, but it can't be good for Jesus. When is the last time that any one of us had the sin of the entire world hanging on our shoulders? Sometimes we feel that way, but in reality we know we don't have the sin of the world hanging on our shoulders. God was in control then. God is in control in your situation now. Jesus is the good shepherd. We are his sheep. He guards and he gathers and he guides. Boy, what a great picture as we conclude this morning. What a great picture that Isaiah has painted for us. Our conquering shepherd. You know, here's the crux of what Isaiah is saying. His description is that this baby, this Jesus, is born as a sovereign, ruling shepherd. He has a shepherd's heart. He loves us, and he longs to care for us. And because he is the sovereign Lord of the universe, he can pull it off. Here is your God, Isaiah says. Here is your God, the shepherds point to the baby and say. And I say, here is your God this morning through the Christmas story from the past predictions by Isaiah, today we see Jesus, risen Lord. Close your Bibles right now. Just close your Bibles for a moment. You know, we just celebrated Christmas. We celebrated gift giving and family. And hopefully we celebrated the birth of the Savior. But the baby needs to be remembered as the king. The conquering shepherd of our souls. Let me read this passage to you again, and then we'll close. Isaiah chapter 40. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion. 
bearer of good news. Lift your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Good news that Jesus has come, that God has come to save. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewe. Behold, the Adonai, who shall come against the strong one, meaning the devil. Our Lord beautifully describes himself the idea, the figure of a strong man overcome by a stronger man. Do not fail to remark the blessed views that this short but sweet passage in Isaiah gives us of the Lord Jesus. Remember, he is described as coming to destroy all his enemies, his recompenses before him. He destroys all the enemies of his sheep, of his church. He comes as a king, and yet he comes feeding, nourishing, protecting his people with all the tenderness of a shepherd. Just close your eyes this morning. I just want you to think about some things as we, as we finish up here. How is Christ tending you right now? How is he protecting you right now? Now, I know that you know, there's those stories of those folks who, who you know, the, the cab was late, and they missed the cab, and they missed their flight at the airport, and the plane goes down, and thank you, Jesus. And maybe there's stories like that in your life. Maybe there is. Jesus protected me from that. But I'm talking about right now, every day, how is Jesus protecting your life? How is he guarding you? How is he tending to you? How is he gathering you back up? Is he sending someone in your life? Have you noticed someone just show up in your life to give you a word of encouragement? Have you noticed things just happening that tend to make you think and, and, and just praise Jesus for who he is? Those things are happening because God's in control and he's protecting you. What do we have to be thankful to God this morning for his protection? How is he expressing his, his love to you? How is he gathering up those that have become lost? You know, there are so many who have lost people in their lives. And wives, what do you do when your husband is, as First Peter says, disobedient to the word? Are you trusting that Jesus, the good shepherd, will go and find the one that is lost and bring him back? I hope you are. And the same can be said for husbands of their wives as well. Parents, when your children seem to go crazy and they're running off into the world, if they're in Christ, remember he's the shepherd who will bring them back. Do you trust in that? Are you thankful for that? Are you resting in that this morning? Where is Jesus leading you today? Where is he guiding? We prayed earlier that, that God has a purpose for us. And our purpose is to be a disciple who makes disciples. Are we living that out? Next week, we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions for a Christian. And somehow, they've got to be tied back to making disciples. How are we living that out? How is Jesus leading us today? Questions that we can ponder right now this morning. Take these questions home with you. Ponder them some more.
Let's stand for our closing prayer and our closing time of worship. I pray that at the end of this year, we can spend a little time thinking about Jesus as the Good Shepherd before we get ready to make all the resolutions and the things of the new year. So let's pray together one last time, 2013. Lord God, Adonai Yahweh, you who come with a mighty right arm, a ruling hand, and yet a shepherd's heart. What a great picture of our God, conquering shepherd. The world would not understand that. The world does not see that. Yet everywhere we live as your people, we are called conquering sheep because we overcome in your name, because you protect us. You guard us. And you gather us up when we're lost. You bring us back into your bosom, the bosom of your people. You lead us and you guide us in the ways of righteousness as we read in Psalm 23. We have so much to be thankful for in this year. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue just to change our hearts and make them more like Christ. Thank you for our shepherd. Thank you for our good shepherd. We pray in his name.